Hello, this is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice. Me, Michael Kuehl. And me, Roger Bell-West. And it's getting cold again. I'm I'm suffering from my seasonal affective disorder and wishing that I was somewhere sunnier than here. But uh, we can always take ourselves in the realms of imagination off into other other climes and countries. And Where they've customs. got more to complain about than just the weather. Yeah, that's true. Where there's trouble, uh, and we can feel better coming back to cold High Wickham afterwards. So this month we are planning on talking about long campaigns and how you keep them on the rails. Uh, but first, Roger... Well, thank you very much to Glenn Lewis, who has dropped some money in our tip jar. Uh, does inc- really encourage us to keep doing the show, and uh, well, thank you very much, sir. Thank you, sir. And we will spend it probably on, on gaming stuff, because that's who we are. It right? seems likely. Yeah. Onward. speaking the title of this segment is railroading and if you think we're going to whinge a bit about bad things in role-playing because railroading is a bad thing in most people's estimation I'm gonna moderate your expectations a little well we, we reserve the right to grumble uh, we, 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 I'm told it's one of our unique selling points the grumpy old men from from High Wycombe. But um, what this started out from was my failure to complete a large, long um, role-playing campaign. In fact, see, see previous episode, because to some extent oh, yeah. this is Traveller Postmortem Part 2. Yeah, well, this is trying to take the Traveller Postmortem and apply it to general theory, I think, and to general practice. I started out trying to run, uh, let's name it uh, out loud and shame me, Secrets of the Ancients, the new version by Mongoose Traveller. And I discovered about half to two-thirds of the way through that I had overreached myself and I wasn't having fun and I wasn't confident in my ability to make other people have fun. All right, let's say help other people have fun, that's going to say and I think the problem here was a mistake in the setup. When you do a long... There are two sorts of long campaigns. There's the one you create yourself and the one that you are taking as bespoke. And the one that you're taking as bespoke often has a lot of attractions. It often has um, lots of support material, lots of stuff that's already worked out. And... And just a lot of atmosphere, research and fun already set up. Mm. And that's what you go to them for. Yeah, Um, I I am indeed planning to start running one myself, which is one of the reasons I'm enthused about this. Okay. But, and it's a a big but, you are more or less inevitably, if you're going to get the maximum juice out of it, you are tied down to somebody else's plan, somebody else's flowchart of where things should go and somebody else's idea of what's important and what what the players will find important. Mm. Now, we, we all know that players have, are perverse buggers and they, um, they will inevitably go off on um, distractions and um, diversions. Look, it's a clue. Run away. Uh, uh, I'll shut up the barmaid. <laughs> Ha! And uh, and they're being asked to go out and face dangerous things. It, when they go off and get a wrong interpretation of the information you provided into their heads, that's not always bad. And you can always create a side diversion adventure, and then and then bring them back towards the towards the main flow. Most of the time, it could be great fun if the players gradually realise. Hang on, we we thought X, but in fact. Why, gosh, what a what a subtle gem putting putting that false notion into our heads when in fact they did it all themselves. Yeah, in more modern long campaigns, 
especially well within a campaign which you're creating yourself out of your own head and partly on the fly you can you can take what the, the players have offered you and um incorporate it use it um make it interesting in fact you're encouraged to do so but i've only seen ever seen one long campaign um in which is entirely set up as you improvise the truth out of these these clues mm. and that's uh dracula dossier though the uh, the Armitage Papers, which Robin Laws did, was its inspiration. I just haven't tried to run that. I think one could argue that the Armitage Files is the ultimate expression of the idea that the important thing in a Lovecraftian game is the handout. Hmm. And you, yeah. what you have is a package that is nothing but the handouts. Yeah, but there, there is implied structure in there. There are things that can be discovered, but yeah, the, the background is there. And you make what you can of it out of the, the what the players do and and what comes to your mind as an explanation of the, of this whole thing. The the two of them between between them are definitely magnificent works of of of, of role playing um, creation, and that ones that can be new for every every GM. But we're talking for now about committing yourself to something which has a structure something which has things that the players have to do if you're going to get to the later bits. And the difficulty of getting through each point at which they could say, sod this, this is far too dangerous. Or, sod this, I'm bored. Or, I, uh, or any other, any, or I want to go off and marry my childhood sweetheart and own a pool in, uh, own a pub in Hartlepool, not a pool in Hartley pub. No, own a pub in Hartlepool. And, and, and I have now got enough money actually to do that. Yes, goodbye, goodbye forever. I, uh, if you're ever in Hartlepool, don't come and visit me. Uh, another example of this, which some listeners may be familiar with, uh, com's play of Walker in the Wastes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a campaign for Call of Cthulhu published by Pagan Publishing. And it starts off with... A, I don't know if they're technically over the Arctic Circle, but an, but an expedition to remote places, basically. Uh, yeah. they're, they're going off to um, distant Canada to try to work out what happened to the Franklin expedition. Okay. Um, and so when the, when the Yogis played through this, uh, you, you, can, you can listen to the whole thing uh, via their website, but I don't think it's restricted to patrons anymore. You just have to join the site. Um, they designed characters who were people who would go on this remote expedition. Scientists, dog handlers, etc. And they did that bit of the thing. And things may have got a bit awry, because, you know, players, but basically they got to the end of that bit, and the next bit was, oh, right, well, there's this weird weird occulty stuff happening in Japan. And they they basically said, well, no, we're not interested. (laughs) Yeah, not, not not so much that the players aren't, but the characters are not people who would do that. They have their scientific careers to get back to, or whatever. They they are not. Yeah. Be, they, I I think what's intended, um, other, beyond the usual. Well, you've got to go along this way. That's what the adventure is. I think what the what the plan was was that you realise, hang on, there is this major occult threat. Nobody else is really in a position to do anything about it. Oh crap! We better buckle down and get on with it. But. I've read through the after as well. This, is, this isn't this isn't a matter of poor GMing. Um, there's there's very little in the way of trail to make that happen for the individual characters. On the first adventure, you would be astounded if the any any character had discovered the true nature of the of the uh, occult underworld and, and could could know a major threat when it came up and bit him on the ankles. I would have been inclined to um, to uh, to say, drop all the characters except this one, and start afresh. Mm, well, what um, they actually the... did was, was I, I think, in fact, they did. I had one character who carried over because mm. because that player felt that they could reasonably justify it, and then they developed uh, had a whole new set beyond that. You could probably do that um, in a, se- in a uh, deliberately do that in a series. I don't know how you would make it 
uh, a feature of all but one character from the previous adventure um, have gone there have gone gone their own way. But I, I'm sure there is a way you could write something that would use that rather than be, feeling it imposed on them. One thing that uh, you you alerted me to was the lack really of an, of much in the way of briefing and i i have i have your copy of the secrets of the entrance right here thank you for lending it to me yeah. um and all you get to say what sort of characters you should generate uh, is it is assumed that the travelers know each other and have access to a ship of some sort the one requirement is that one of them needs to be related to or connected with a key character who has just died yeah and that's um, it. it is that's it the uh the uh, the, uh, the, it's it's the old uh, you are sent to, to sort out uh, your uncle's uh, your your uncle's mentors uh, wh- uh, whatever whatever relation they were to you their estate and which is given that this does go off in a fairly Lovecraftian direction is perfectly appropriate. I mean that's not that's not star. a terrible motivation. I've just been using it in the campaign I've been running for you, but yeah. <laughs> But at the, uh, at the same time, I, I'm I'm hoping there to introduce enough. Hang on, this is clearly some sort of ongoing plot that nobody else is going to take seriously. That, that's my I intention, th- at least. That's it. I I thought you were going in that direction. You have not spoiled anything. <laughs> um, what I was going to say was that what the problem I had here arises from that I should have I should have campaign proofed the initial characters, right from the start. As it was, I had one... Um, the, the character with the ship was a retiring noble who had a yacht which he couldn't really afford to maintain. He was going home to show it off to his family. Hey. And um, the pilot and crew he'd hired, plus a ship's doctor who was also a psychic... And uh, and would have been useful in the latter parts of the. I'm really surprised, looking back, that a set of usable characters wasn't generated with the with the campaign. Um, but some people really don't like. And given the 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 fun in the traveller character creation mini game, some people um, really resent being given. Um, uh, being given pre-gen characters. Somebody else on Yogsoth was recently complaining that uh, char- pre-gen characters, since he was running adventures with a group of mm. a, as as part of a campaign, uh, were just a waste of space for him. And particularly since they often weren't particularly integrated with the adventure anyway. You know, he, here is a bunch of generic nineteen twenties investigators. Yeah, one of the other problems is that Traveller isn't an ideal system for providing character depth and motivation mm. all it will give you is back history which the players are then free to interpret as they wish now uh Malian on the discussion to kelly lee forum did have an answer to this when we mentioned it briefly last time mm. uh which is um that that is the part where the system deliberately stands back and says right now you go role play yeah, um, there there is nothing in the traveller character generation system to say you are not an arrant coward who's only in it for the money. You you have to develop that kind of thing yourself. There's also uh, there's also nothing to say that you aren't the sort of adventurous lunatic who goes poking uh, poking uh, dangerous things with a uh, with a stick that's not long enough. I think to some extent this this is a problem with setting security as well. I mean, in, in something like Traveller, most there, there are very few starving people. and You, you can get stuck yeah. on a bad world or whatever, but in most places, in spite of its assumptions about medical costs and all the rest of it, most yeah. people most of the time are, are doing all right in their boring jobs. Yeah. Uh, the people... And and if they, and if, if if somebody with a ship gets bored with adventuring, he can say, "Okay, mm. I'm going to sell this ship back to the bank, mm. and I'm going to se- settle down with my best gal or other." Uh. Yeah, um, the uh, I uh, the the thing uh, is, I think that most non-travellers are not are not going to notice anything other than their immediate area 
of concern their immediate environment. It may be a crappy environment. It may be um, a small station, a station on a, a not very busy route where nobody, no, no starships uh, pass from year to end, to one year end to another. Or it may be a highly developed dictatorship. But um, but most people have uh, have, if they're not on a world that they like at the moment, they can move somewhere else. But the travellers are the unusual ones. Yeah. Now, some versions of the rules suggest that you should deliberately design characters who are going to be restless, who aren't just going to want to retire and settle down. But th- this all gets quite fuzzy. Um, the, the reason I wanted to quote directly that bit of Secrets of the Ancients mm. is that the game I'm planning to run fairly soon for Watson mm. Hall, plug, plug, um, is The Enemy Within. The classic okay. other adventure. Uh, the, yeah. uh, the, the version I'm looking at is the uh, quite recent, heavily updated, with something like its original narrative mm. goals, which well, no previous version has really had. Well, least, I, yeah. I, I, I played, I've played most of it. I even, I think, got as far as doing the, the climax, the Empire in Flames. Um, with the with 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 my player characters in the throne room as the as the emperor turns out to be shock horror a vile corrupt mutant. And, yeah, that, uh, that, and, the, and this has been, I gather, somewhat changed. Um, the, all right, the, well, the adventure good, that was wedged in in a hurry and wasn't really anything to do with the campaign has been removed again, and various other stuff has been written to to take its place. Uh, this is the Cubicle Seven edition for anybody following along. Um, and having thought about this and you telling me about Secrets of the Ancients, I looked at what the Enemy Within brackets spandy new version has to say about generating characters. Go on, I'll Our show you Our heroes are a ragtag band whose thirst for adventure leads them to follow the road to Altdorf. That's it. But uh, The reasons fish. for this are left for you to resolve with your group. Okay. So maybe, maybe the advancements are in role-playing. Theory that we have been talking about haven't quite reached bits of mongoose, or at least the Warhammer. Uh, uh, this, this isn't mongoose. Uh, this is Cubicle Seven. Oh, sorry, Cubicle Seven. I apologise. Uh, they, they are they are blurring together in my consciousness, <laughs> uh, but they shouldn't worry about that because that's my consciousness. I was going to say my solution actually to the problem uh, that I'm I'm going to put forward to other people because I can now do the work is that maybe for something, when you're generating characters for a particular long arc of adventures, what you want to do is to build into them, into each of them, uh, perhaps assigned at random, perhaps chosen, a hook, a hook that goes deep into uh, into the history of the... uh, into the planned events of the campaign, so that they will have a reason that each, at least one member of of the crew, will have a reason to take the ridiculous decision to keep on going with this. Um, the I was I was thinking that you might, in the case of Traveller, insert into the campaign a uh, a, a, a set a table of special campaign events, things that have happened to the character, which tie them into the backstory of the campaign and the things that they are are going to um, encounter and something in each adventure that someone in the campaign is going to say, aha, to, and say, that means I need to go and investigate this because... I don't know if it would work, but I think it would at least give the players an excuse, if not a reason, to keep on being involved in this mad cavalcade of events, uh, 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 a mad career towards some dreadful ending. <laughs> now, you can do it. You can do it more generically. Um, uh, I, th- I think it would be fair to, for a campaign to say. When you are generating characters for this, these are the sorts of backgrounds that will, we'll, you know, that we've put in hooks for later in the, later in yeah. the campaign. 
Well, I tell you that I am thinking of specific events rather than. I mean, uh, I was going to say Night Black, Night's Black Agents. Um, the all the all the both the campaigns that are available for it um, assume that you are um, uh, uh, spies who have taken early retirement or had it forced upon them and are now working as contractors in the shady world of of post uh, post uh, post uh, collapse of the uh, of Eastern Bloc uh, Europe. See also and the TV series Burn Notice. Yeah, I, uh, so you're 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 somebody who has the skills and the predilection for getting involved in trouble, and when trouble finds you, you you have routines that you can follow and things you want to do, and you can come to the conclusion that I'm going to have to fight back against this monstrous conspiracy. Even but, before you find out what's really behind it, it it's a thing. It is it's an organisation, uh, an entity that is doing bad things. It's, a, it's an entity that's doing bad things and you've displeased it. They're after you. An attack is your only form of defence, I think, is what is what hmm. they're going for. And that makes sense. And it made sense right up to uh, the climax of doing the uh, the Dracula dossier. Um, and, and it worked. But what I'm thinking of is that there should be... All right, there should be... You should have double protection. You should be creating the characters... Who will be a be useful in the campaign, b have motivation to stay in the campaign, and c have particular personal reasons to keep being involved in the campaign. So Ken Hyde has has two things for, to say about this that, that pull in different directions. I feel okay. One which I'm sure I've said before on the show is that surviving the frightening thing is horror. And escaping and getting back to your normal life and then going back to look for more frightening thing is monster hunting, and these are two different genres. Yeah. Um, in, in, in a, if, so if you were planning to run a long-term campaign, you probably wouldn't want to start with, oh, I don't know, uh, we're, we're all in a diner when the machines start coming to life and attacking us, or something yeah, like what, that. Yeah, what, what Ken calls in, in uh, GURPS horror, just plain folks. Yeah. Because that could be fine for the single adventure, but it's not going to be particularly great for the uh, the next adventure. Yeah, you'll notice that um, in in Buffy, to take another cla- take a classic, perhaps the classic Monster Hunter show, um, there are people there who are professionals and, and who have been there before, the Watchers, especially Giles. Mm. And there are people who are just plain folks and there is Buffy who is the destined one and if you agree to play play the the, the slayer then then you're setting yourself up you're you're going you're cho- you're choosing to be in, involved at that level the, the impression um, I get is that you you have a whole lot more points for abilities but you but you've paid for them by essentially being a trouble magnet every every villain that wants to be somebody somebody knows that they're going to have to take you out on their path to greatness yeah and um uh, and, and it's uh, it's interesting the way the RPG balances balances out the the various classes the experts uh the scoobies and the slayer um, is is balanced out there very well, very well in that. But uh, it would be monstrous, though I think I have done it at least once, <laughs> to make somebody the chosen one without their permission, um, to to spring it uh, spring it on them as a surprise. And that's another thing that I wanted to talk about um, with the uh, with the with the setting up of long running campaigns. With particular requirements, that's the the idea of getting consent, and the fact it's struggling with the idea of surprise and shock and discovering the world is different um, is different from the uh, from uh, from the way it, it it actually you always thought it was. Yeah, well, I, I think I've mentioned before my, my approach on this, which is trust your players. Your players are role players. Your players are here to have fun, just the same as you are. Hmm. The, um, they, they should be able to role play characters who are being surprised that the world is not the way they thought it was. Yeah, yeah, but actually, watching the surprise on their faces is so much 
It's so pleasurable, Roger. <laughs> yes, but I think this can get <laughs> I think this can get borderline abusive, um, e- even with good intentions. Um, I, I think I've told the story. They, they, I, I joined a game which was uh, and had been for for a year or two of play, basically modern mercenaries. Yeah. And in the, the the session I went to, it was oh right, well you've suddenly gone through a portal to fantasy land and you're not getting back. And yeah, all a, right. a, a a game about modern mercenaries conserving their ammunition in fantasy land was not what I'd signed up for, so I didn't go back. I I gather the it went on for a bit, but not my sort of thing. Uh, if if it had been, uh, yeah, if it had if been it if it had been fan- mentioned to me as this is what's going to happen. Uh, I could probably have been quite happy with just the same character, though. I might might not have gone for a pilot, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have had complaints from players who have said to me after the campaign is over, uh, look, I created this character with this specific thing in mind to do, which he could do, and you never gave me a chance to do it. Um, I feel guilty about that to, uh, to this day. But it depends. There, there is there is a case, and it's currently fashionable, for saying this will be a horror campaign, and the gore level will be this, and the chances of mutilation will be that. And is there anything you want to exclude from that sort of campaign? And I am very happy with this. Hmm. I don't believe I personally have any, any squicks that I really don't want to talk about in the game. But I know people who have, and I'm going to respect that. I would rather have them able to play, without uh, without the fear that they, that that will happen to them, than simply say, "Oh well, you can't be in my game. You're not tough enough." Oh, that's not the. Uh, I'm not which, sure. Which that's... is what the alternative feels like to me. Saying uh, everything is fair game. I'm 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 going to do whatever I feel like, and if you don't like it, well, go away now. Except that I don't know what I've got in my head precisely. <laughs> I don't know precisely where the campaign is going to go if it's me that's making it up. If it's a... Yeah, but you're an author. Camp, you can auth. Yeah. I can auth, but I can only auth according to my um, my daemon, uh, my, uh, my inner voice and inner imagination, which goes off in directions that other people... Um, aren't anticipating or sometimes don't hear when I think I've described it perfectly to them, which is uh, very annoying. I think it's easier for me to say it's about, it's this sort of game it's about it's set here, it's about this sort of thing Um, are there any, and I, I think I can look at somebody else's creation and say, yeah, I can exclude this here I can include that there but I don't know that I have an adequate um, Im- a set of questions, set of imaginations about how I, I gauge what's going to uh, what's going to squick uh, people. I, well, I, that, that, that's one of the reasons for the lines and veils thing. A player who has major squicks about, for example, eye injury, which is I gather quite a common thing for people to feel really by, yeah, um, can say that to you, which is in itself an act of trust, and yeah. and you know you don't have to have thought that eye injury is a thing I will do or won't do. You can just say, okay, now knowing that up front in advance, I can just steer things away from that particular <sighs> thing. It, it, you don't need to change very much. You just you know that that bit of the description ain't there. Yeah, but. Uh... Going up to Stabcon uh, one year, um, I was met by somebody I'd done a horror run, a horror campaign with, um, a horror game in with the previous year. And she said, yes, she'd take part in my game as long as there were no Mike Kuehl zombies in there. <laughs> and um, I asked her what she meant by that. And she said I had described the smell and look of rotting flesh um, a bit too uh, evocatively. 
for her. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and I wasn't aware I was doing that, all right? It was just a, a thrown-off comment trying to make what I thought that thing would be like in real life more real. And that's what I feel you're supposed to do, except instead of the delightful smells of the uh, of a, a kitchen in in, in some far off bazaar, uh, you got rotting flesh coming out of the swamp, you know. Hmm. And I don't know her. I don't know of good enough. There's probably is an inclusive list of things people have squicked to somewhere on on the web. Um, yeah, though, though I, I, I would argue that m- m- the virtue of asking the players beforehand is that you don't need that. Ex- you don't need that exclusive list unless you are writing in so much detail that it won't survive contact with the players anyway. Well, as I just said, I'm not. I am not writing uh, that particular bit that turned her off. I was not writing. I was creating off off the cuff and um, and write uh, write uh, at that at that instant and. I don't think everybody has an exclusive list in their head, pre-prepared, of what disgusts and frightens them. Um, I don't think. I well, don't. I mean, yes, think we, we are talking about human beings here, after all. Yeah, but, um, but but you know, if you know that you have a problem, then if you're using tools like this, then you can say, right, well, okay. I, I will say this, and then either the GM says, yes, that'll be fine, and I can play in the game that I otherwise couldn't risk, or they will say, no, that won't be fine, and I can stay, I can get away from it now, rather than finding out in a horrible moment later on. Yeah. Which, yeah. You know, I'm sorry, I think, I think we're actually <laughs> uh, we're diving off the, we are. Uh, okay, so, off the topic. Preparation so, for long campaigns. Well, Ken Hite's other point, a... you see. Okay, go on. And this, this is from Trail of Cthulhu. Um... As we say, you might have a life to go back to for, for many people, particularly in the modern day. Uh, so there's this whole section on what, what motivates an investigator? Why do you keep doing it at the cost of your sanity, health, etc.? Yeah. Uh, and the, the answer in Trade of Cthulhu is that you have a drive. Yeah. Uh, in other words, let us throw this burden on the players because then they can come up with something that they can live with. Yeah. Uh, make it a delight to the players to say uh, yes. I, that is that is a good solution. How do you feel it clashes with whatever it was we were talking about before? Um, I, I think if you want an investigative game, that can be fine. Um, you know, you you accept you you have said up front that your character is greedy. Your character is curious for forbidden secrets. Whatever. Yeah. You, ju- you justify that in your own construction of their psychology rather than having it thrust on you. Um, and, again, you, you know going in that this is a game in which that drive is going to overpower common sense. Uh, now, how, how that will work in Secrets of the Ancients or The Enemy Within, I don't know. Well, Secrets of the Ancients... Um, Secrets of the Ancients, the problem is that it is a surprise at the start. Nobody's expecting. With respect, all they signed up to play a campaign called The Secrets of the Ancients. Oh, I'm talking about the play about the characters rather than the yeah, players. Okay. They are the characters are bumbling along in their everyday lives and then the weird finds them. And the the problem there is to give them a reason not to run away from the weird, hmm. which any sensible person is going to do. I always have when it's come up to me. And let's face it, there are great big grindy wheels that can very easily catch a bunch of PCs in them and not even slow down. Yeah, there are... Um, I don't think this is a spoiler. There are at least two forces at work in in the in the game universe um, which are capable of, of uh, rolling over the, the player characters and not even noticing the bump. I think... Uh, on the whole, it strikes me that most of the long-term campaigns have at least an element of investigation uh, to them. I think that the generic solution of um, uh, for uh, the the enemy within is the hatred of chaos, is the fear mm. of of the corruption 
within. But most players are too are going to be playing people who are too cynical to uh, find the long-term good of the human race or even the empire as a convincing motivation. Well, that, that's the thing I found interesting about Warhammer. I mean, obviously, it's born out of 1980s cynicism as a setting. Yeah. But in spite of that, it, at the same time, it's tr- it's trying to have the real dangerous thing of chaos, which really is contaminating and, you know, even reading about it will, will, will corrupt you and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um... Uh, and there are, uh, and, and it takes, uh, just look at climate change, it takes a lot of persuasion to get people to see that something they haven't worried about every day of their lives is something they're going to have to worry about now. This is easier if there isn't extremely well-funded counter-propaganda, of course, which is one, uh, thing, one thing Warhammer Chaos doesn't really do. It's too disorganised. It, 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 it may offer you temptations beyond the, beyond the bounds of mortal flesh, but it doesn't say, oh, no, no, chaos is great. My, you know, my, my neighbour is chaotic and he's fine. A little bit of chaos never hurt anybody. Look, I've got this growth here. So what, 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 beyond that, I mean, I'd, I haven't read enough of The Enemy Within yet to say, but I, I get the impression that you could, in theory, probably replace some characters as things went along. It would make sense, but they... But it goes against the model of character progression. Hmm. Um, players have got um, things. I've got past experience in um, in uh, invested in their characters, and they're get, they're getting better. On the other hand, uh, it is possible to get into a dead end in uh, in Warhammer and have a character that isn't developing or can't develop, and people might be glad of a replacement. I think the rule of thumb in Call of Cthulhu used to be if the entire party gets wiped out, then the adventure slash campaign is over. But if there's at least one survivor, then he can recruit some new idiots and they can carry on. Yeah, I was going to say that if you were doing uh, the enemy within with, with GURPS, you could at least say, here, create a new character to fit this role with as many points as you've already accumulated. Well, so Warham- Warhammer, have... at least the modern Warhammer does have advances which work a lot like slightly blunt experience points. Mm. They're, they're, are they still uh, slap, slap 20% on this, slap 10% on that, and have a new skill? So, yeah, but you you can also get indiv- an individual advance which raises your skill a bit, and, the, and you can accumulate okay. several of them. You you don't have the career exits thing anymore, as far as I can see, which is perhaps a bit of a sad loss. But um, yeah, one one day I hope to be promoted to rat catcher. Uh, yeah. From rat cat from rat catcher to noble, uh, an epic journey. <laughs> no, no, I was from, s- from gutter scum to rat catcher, an epic journey. This oh is right. <laughs> <laughs> can I wa- can I wash the slime off now, please? Sir? Uh, um, also thinking uh, Call of Cthulhu in the 7th edition has backstory entries, which are things like significant people, meaningful locations, treasured possessions, which ser- basically serve as a sort of anchor of sanity. You, you spend some time in or with or contemplating them between adventures. Yeah, and if you're playing um, uh, Knights Black Agents, you threaten them uh, when you have got got no idea... What else you're going, <laughs> going to do to make them feel oppressed? Yeah, I, I would say that uh, it also has passions, doesn't it? Or uh, uh, something like doesn't. Uh, RuneQuest certainly does now. Yeah, um, I'm sorry, I could have sworn there were there was a psychological element. Never mind. Uh, I, I, it's been a while since I've read it. I mean, passions first showed up in uh, Pendragon, of course, which, as we've come to understand, seems to have been pretty much Greg Stafford's original conception of what the next RuneQuest would look like. Only then, yeah. RuneQuest got sold and he had to make it a different game. Yeah, I'm not... Uh, there, there's a lot of stuff in in, current, in the new edition of RuneQuest which it has accumulated over the years and uh, if there's ever a sixth edition, then it... or seventh or eighth RuneQuest... RuneQuest numbering is a bit weird. N plus then one might, edition. Uh, uh, yeah. the, the newest edition, the uh, the insert year here edition, I think it could do with a little clearing, cleaning up, but be this as, uh, as it may. Uh, and then there's BRP, which can use the same system and 
can be pretty much add rules modules that you like to it. Mm. Uh, but back again, I was going to say Pendragon is an, is the uh, is another type of um, of um, long term campaign, which would require forms of proofing of its own. I think, but I, on, on second or third thought, I think that is. That 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 if you if your luck is good and if you play it right, it already has the um, first of all the episodic nature of the of the individual um, quests and adventures, and there is also the succession of generations, which in theory, if the timing is right, um, can mean a smooth transition from the elder statesman of the family to the young. Yeah, um, but I've never seen it actually pulled off. Well, therefore, it, it starts, I suspect, with there is no real worry about character motivation. You are a knight. You've got a yeah. job to do. Uh, the precise nature of that is going to vary uh, but both between campaigns and between characters. I've, I've heard of one in which the knights were effectively, there is a problem in the kingdom, you guys go and sort it out. Troubleshooters. Yeah. Uh, which can be can do that, um, or or it can be more you stumble into things because let's face it, there's plenty of stumbling into things in Mallory. Yeah, um, and going into 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 the into the wrong tent and um, finding somebody else's wife as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I do also like the I, I think the the passions uh, are very good at generating the sort of situation you find in the source material and talked about this before it, it it takes it away from what might happen naturally in the course of a role-playing session but what you yeah. get at the end of it will feel a lot like an arthurian story mm. uh, and at this bit yeah yeah yes i know i'm just married but oh my word she's beautiful i think the uh i think i think the problem with with pendran comes when the big events happen when mm. things like the grail quest or uh or the conquest of 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 Rome happen that they ha- you have to um find i mean the conquest of rome is is part of the natural function of a knight but the uh but but the grail quest is literally stepping out of the world and into a, a place where all of your qualifications for being a great ruler and a great knight are disqualifications for achieving the holy end. Mm. And that's and uh, that's. I suppose you can take the point. Of, you would take the point of view. It, my king commands. Um, let us go forth and seek the Grail. Uh, but certainly, it, it is the frustration that I've heard discussed frequently, and one I would feel to some extent myself that whatever you do, however great a knight you are, Arthur is going to marry Guinevere. They are going to. Be, they are not going to have a legitimate child. There is going to be a lots a lot, etc. I, I Arthur's yeah, going I, to die in that particular final battle. I have, I have, I when I I've run it and I have never run it all the way through. I have perverted Arthurian history. I have allowed things that uh, the player characters did to change things, but there is a huge weight of doom mm. uh, laid on the whole structure of the thing, and I think Greg liked that. I yep. think he saw it as a positive thing for uh, to introduce into his campaign, and just just like that, there are. If you if you, I don't know how far you've got in the in the secrets of the ancients, but there is a whole lot of long term events behind the scenes and um, a driving narrative pushing you towards um, certain climaxes. But as far as I can see, it would be a lot easier to for the players to get themselves killed uh, than it would be to meet, uh, make the final um, end of the campaign and discover all that there is to discover. Mm. Um, yeah, that that's another thing. I mean, I, I first met this looking at paranoia adventures and something like the Yellow Clearance Black Box Blues, which is widely regarded as one of the greatest paranoia adventures ever written. Yeah. Uh, is very likely to leave all the character, all the player characters permanently dead in the, after the first few scenes, and nobody's ever get ever going to get get to the really good bits. 
How many? How many clones were was was your GM going? Six for? per character, standard. Yeah, um, I I I would have thought. Yeah, a, a, it is the longest a paranoia adventure I know of, and um, even a normal uh, character, even a normal single encounter, can go through a lot of clones, um, but. Uh, All right, paranoia may not be as well protected as as the developers think it is, but then the developers will giggle and have fun and say and say say yeah. Yeah. Now, if that were adventure I'd invented myself, that would be fine because I'd use the material on on a different bit. But presented as it is, in in the sense of this is meant to be one long quest for a particular series of characters, um, I I don't think it works well with the with the lethality of the game as played. Think just going going back to secrets. I I would be awfully tempted to say, well, in the character generation, well, you know, make sure your character has the bug for learning more about the ancients. The, the, yeah, the, the, it is it is I think reasonably well known that something like the ancients existed, and there is occasional super tech discovered. Yeah, at the very least. One uh, one person could have the uh, could have could have the compulsion. To learn about the ancients, another person could have the compulsion to make money out of the ancients because even minor amounts of ancient tech um, can set you up for life, and it's it, it's a lottery ticket. Um, it's a, it's a lot a lottery ticket ticket equivalent, only a bit more dangerous. The, the, this is an electric range. razor, and if you defocus it a bit, it blows holes in planets. Yes, uh, this device was a. Uh, was a was a common household utensil among the ancients, and it will freeze your enemies in in permanent stasis um, until you until you release them. Um, I mean, they use they use it for food preservation. You can use it for imprisonment. So that that that's the temptation I go for there. I haven't found an equivalent for the enemy within yet because I I think that is meant to introduce you to well they're they're a chaos guys you got and uh, when you meet them you should probably do bad things to them. I think well uh, let me offer you again the suggestion I made earlier about secrets of the ancients. Have a list of backstory events and get them to choose one of them. Mm. Um, if you don't want to roll them randomly, uh, which say um, your uh, your um, cousin uh, 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 vanished into uh, into something involving the occult called this, or your 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 grandfather died uh, fighting what are they called the uh, fighting Ratkin in in, in, in the tunnels. Um, just something to give them a personal motivation to get involved, if not to stay involved. Mm. And maybe give them a treasure map or, or something. <laughs> oh, come on, there's, there's always a sucker for a, for a treasure map. Why, why does it say food should enter here? <laughs> Beware of rotating blades, obviously. I, I, I think... I think there's uh, there's lots of stuff we haven't touched upon, but can we come to a general? Um, I, I I'm, all right, I'm going to attempt some general axioms. Prepare the characters for what's to come, if you know what's to, to come. If you're writing, Prepare... if you're publishing a campaign, or even adventure to some extent, suggest that something about what sort of characters would be the best ones to go into it, because the longer the thing is, the more likely. This is going to be run as a as a single event, and the players are going to have to generate new characters for it. Hmm. Um, oh yes, that's a, that's another thing. Plan for plan for means to bring in new uh, new characters um, when people when people die. Um, uh, convert, uh, note the NPCs you can convert into PCs quite easily, and um, and plan for and plan for where, uh, recruitment sessions. Because uh, that that's something else. Prepare the characters not only specifically but generally, making them the sort of people who could achieve things and would achieve things in this environment. Um, and if you're going to bring in 
naive characters write in bits that bring them up to speed, that make them um, experience old hands um, to match the old hands that, the, that started the campaign. I would say don't completely discount the idea of having a completely new set of characters if the situation demands it. Um, yeah. What, one idea I've had, I don't know if this is something else that people have suggested for, for a horror game, but particularly if the character generation system is fairly lightweight and easy to do in a hurry, would be you'd start off with, you know, there is something horrible happening and you are just plain folks. You will get slaughtered by the monster. Then, then your actual characters come into play as the cleanup team. Yeah, that's a, that is that is a fun thing to have. And um, and uh, was it were, were you involved in that um, zero to hero um, funnel funnel thing? I, I was listening to. Was that a... no? No. All right. In that case, uh, but there are there are there are things with with games like Pathfinder, which take people who are. Um, don't have a uh, have a character class and are just peasants and put them through hero- horrific heroic events. And the that ones who get... survived are obviously the destined heroes. Correct. Yes, that's the <laughs> idea. Um, so I would allow for if you even if you're going for a TPK, I would allow for what for for people who survived it. Uh, to come back as grizzled veterans. In, in the well, y- using the televisual model, uh, I, I could quite easily see the pose of a Monster Hunter series, starting with, oh no, we're, we're, we're in the situation, we're all going to die. Somebody survives and then meets the investigation slash cleanup team and gets recruited onto them because he's one of the f- few people who've actually yeah. survived these things without training. He's obviously got something going for him. And that, that then becomes the, oh. the viewer's entree into the exotic world of monster hunting. Yeah, uh, do you remember the uh, the the first episode of uh, Survivors? Had um, had a, never seen it. All right, it was a post uh, a post plague uh, post apocalypse uh, thing from the BBC, and the original version back in the eighties killed off um, in the first episode a number of actors who later became famous, um, and and the people who went back to watch it for. Um, the new version went. Ooh, that's really good. We should kill off famous people too. Not quite getting to the point that they weren't famous at that point in their casting. That's how we could br- afford to kill them off. Yeah, <laughs> and brought in uh, Freeman Agema. Uh, I can't remember her. Can't pronounce her second name. Uh, Who just come off Doctor Who, and uh, and put her in there. And everybody thinks, ah, she's going to be one of the featured characters. And she she drops dead. One of the uh, one of the victims of the plague about uh, halfway halfway through it, and it had the psychological effect of of saying, "Here, the world has been devastated. Everybody who was of note before is gone, and the survivors, the mere handful, are going mm. to have to make their way through." It's a lovely psychological effect. Accidentally arrived at, mm. but uh, yeah, I think I think the. I would feel justified in setting them up for doom in that case, in making them, but I wouldn't feel justified in killing the characters they had created. Yeah, I, I, I th- mm. my temp- my temptation would certainly be something like, all right, here are these pregens, and so so you guys can find out if you like the setting or something. The, yeah, a little bit of duplicity, but if they've put work into the the character. If they've put their, if they if they've been um, devoted themselves to playing this character for however long he may he may last, you can't go around killing them like that. So, yes, yeah, start with pregens, and then maybe allow them to choose something about the people who are coming back and are going to be there for the rest of the campaign. Mm. So that that's that that's a, that's a good dirty GM's trick. Which I think would be if you if it would instantly make it clear to the players that um, this is serious and this is something that has to be dealt with and doesn't um, and doesn't uh, and and can't be left just to happen. Let other people take care of it. I think that would be communicated by. 
uh, a TPK or near total party kill at the top of the at the top of the campaign. Yeah, um, I, I think to be fair, everybody involved in in the um, role playing process needs to consider motivation. And the the the, the author of the adventure, uh, the GM, who may also be the author of the adventure, yeah, uh, need, needs to pass that on and at least say, okay, you you, you are people who are going to be wanting to do this sort of thing, and then the, then the players need to come up with characters who are going to be people who want to do this sort of thing. Yeah, I think we could put that at, at 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 the top. Motivation, motivation, motivation. Yeah, I think that's um, yes, all right. As as we've said, railroading is a thing. Um, um, but as was said, when I think it was which, whichever of the first Gumshoe books was the first one, uh, Isa Terrorist probably. Yeah, anything looks like a railroad from afterwards. Yeah, um, fate and doom are, are are always there in the in the uh, wrap up afterwards. Well, yeah, but also we did A and then we did D and then we did F and then we did Q, and there is only that one train, and we 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 cannot see what other branches we might have taken. Mm. Yeah, it is it is one of the pleasures of being the GM to tell to tell them about the stuff they missed. You don't want the <laughs> You don't want the wrap up to be all about how clever you have been. Oh, this was where you could have got the the, the weapon that would have solved all those later encounters for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yes, but at, at the time my trousers were on fire. I had more urgent things to worry about. I think um yeah, there might be um there might be some justification if you if you're plotting a railroad um, for finding means uh, to get people back onto people who've who've left the train, um, uh, get the, getting them back uh, back involved, but um, yeah, that's probably being a little too um, obsessive. There are things that you can improvise. I, I think basically, if if you lean too much on narrative techniques from other media, then you you may find that motivation gets neglected a bit because. A tissue of motivation in something that's being written by just one person without any interactivity can be enough. Um, yeah. Where, whereas always... a, a player may may well be quite legitimately playing their character, thinking, "Well, hang on. As far as I, the character, am concerned, I'm not a great big hero. Um, can I get out of this? And maybe I should. Maybe I should. People depending on me, etc." Yeah. Um, so I, th- uh, I think it has to involve the player designing the character not to do that. Yeah, the 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 player, that the the author can always stir up uh, motivations. Captain Ahab isn't a reasonable person and has <laughs> no real motivation to go after the damn whale, but he does. Um, and uh, his driver's obsession. Yeah. Yeah, and and Sherlock Holmes doesn't have to spend his time um, uh, solving other pre- people's problems and frustrating uh, Professor Moriarty. But but you've got to pay for that cocaine somehow. And, uh, uh, yeah, and on the whole, um, on the whole, I think, I think you need to be able to give the players some sort of motivation that they will like, and that's one of the reasons. I mean, you can't... Uh, not uh, not everybody is capable of chewing any sort of scenery like Nicolas Cage. Some of us <laughs> um, have particular flavours of wood that we that we favour, and canvas too, and sizing. I say that uh, I would say that the uh, uh, that the, if you can if you can give them a set of motivations, they will choose. And uh, it might, it might, it might. It's you've probably done enough. You've probably done your job. I think we've sort of wandered to the end of this with with one or two directions along the way. Yeah. All right. Um, next time uh, I, I attempt to do something really enormous, I shall make sure I have it all firmly in my head uh, before I start. Unless, of course, I'm making it up as I go along. And uh, when the enemy within crashes and burns two sessions, then you can laugh at me. No, no, we can't. We can't have two, two, two episodes of of ruminating about why it happened. <laughs> oh well, 
let us move on. If you want to tell us about the grand, enormous uh, campaigns that you have managed to work your way through successfully and gloat at us, uh, then you can contact us by... Uh, leave a message on the website or email podcast at tekeli.ly. And next month, we hope to be back again to see you once more.